Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Hello there and welcome to another episode of the Recruitment Flex. It's Shelly here. And today we're going to talk about three just absolutely fascinating topics. First one, interestingly enough, is the secret weapon of benefits. And what are people asking for these days? The second one is the new happiness score that Indeed has just recently introduced and what it may mean for us. And then the last one is what everybody wants to talk about, what's happening for salary and salary guidance for 2022. So, of course, joined with me is the lovely, the talented, and ever so well-informed Serge Boudreaux. Serge, how are you? Hello, Shelley. A lot going on in yeah. my world. I'm sure there's a lot going on in your world, but, but uh, what's what, new? No, no, I want you to go first this time. Not just because I want the last word. Okay. But I think you've got way more stuff going on at your house than mine. Well, I had a tough couple of days, Shelly. So everyone in my household was really sick. So it's not COVID, but being the only one not sick and having very young kids, I have spent the last two to three days just cleaning up and taking care of all my girls, just hoping I don't get what they got. I've been very vigilant about uh, keeping myself as safe as possible. But hey, with young kids, like how safe can you be? I'm so sorry. But you know what? Anyone who's a parent, every single one of them is nodding right now going, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't know what you're made of until you've got three vomiting children. (laughs) Oh, oh, yes. But what's new with you? Oh, you know what? I got some really bad news today. So I'm trying to be really positive and optimistic, but travel restrictions just changed. And as maybe some people know, Parker's going to school in Germany. So Brooke and I were going to go spend Christmas with him, but we are going to stop in the UK because I have a girlfriend that lives there, but it looks like I won't be able to stop in the UK because we were only going to be there for three or four days. And you now have to quarantine when you land into the country. But I'm kind of like, no, because I've already paid for my flights. Everything's booked. All the hotels are booked. Yeah, there is a new variant. It's already in Canada. It's already in the US. We don't know what to expect in the next little while. Are you still planning on going to Germany? Oh, yeah, I'll have enough time to get to Germany quarantine. I think the quarantine is two days because I'll test negative getting on the plane. Then you be tested when you get off the plane. It's just I wouldn't have time to stop in the UK, spend some time in London and then spend most of the time in Germany with Parker and and friends. It's a new world. Let's see what happens. So close. So I know. close. Fuck. It is what it is. Let's let's do what we can. But let's talk about something happy. Yes. I don't know if you're going to think this is happy or not. We're going to talk about how benefits have become a critical weapon for the war of talent. You actually brought up something. You sent me a LinkedIn article about Mm -hmm. the local company here that was offering, I think, $3,000 a month. uh, Not a month, sorry. $3,000 a month per person person in the family for mental health. What are potential employees asking for benefits. And you know what's really interesting is when you dig in deeper to job descriptions, I still see a lot not being transparent what the actual benefits are. You'll see competitive benefits. Those days are over. You really have to use the benefits to be able to advertise your jobs because job seekers are looking for that. And they're not only looking for the conventional 
benefits. They're looking for different benefits. Like the perfect example is one that I saw. There's companies offering pet insurance as a benefit. That is very clever. Yeah, I, I think That's it's clever. clever. It, depending on the demographic that you're actually trying to recruit. And we all know I have pets. You've had pets. Pets are very important to a family. So and they're expensive. They're very expensive. So yeah, having a benefit that covers one, your is, is one that is going to help mm-hmm. potentially attract different people. Mm-hmm. What I'm reading here and what I've seen in the market is employees are looking for not the one fits all solution, right? And if we put in perspective, our needs are all completely different based on where you are in your career. So Mm -hmm. benefits that were important to me when I was 20 compared to now when I'm 40, they're different. So how do you personalize for each individual? The other one that you just mentioned is mental health benefits. Mm -hmm. We're starting to see that uh, Mm -hmm. a lot more, and that makes a lot of sense. And I'll I'll give you a little bit of a, a story on that. So I'm a big hockey fan. Montreal Canadiens is my team. And the owner came out and said how they want to look at their athletes. They want to give them a lot more resources on mental health. Because that particular organization had two people leave during the middle of the season to take a mental break, which is unheard in professional sports. So definitely seeing a lot more companies talking about mental health and how important it is for their employees to be in a good place. And offering assistance and help in that case is is really a smart business decision. And the other one that we've seen is financial wellness benefits. How are we helping our employees make the right financial decisions, short-term and long-term? So Mm -hmm. what's your overall thought on the market where it's really forced employers to look at their benefits because that's one of the things that the talent are asking, something different than they've been offered before. So, you know, what's interesting is the whole notion of personalized benefits, because if there's one industry that like I'd sooner pull my own fingernails off than have to deal with, and that's the benefits industry. I have never met anyone who can think innovatively in terms of benefits providers, right? They've got their standard package and they just want to ram it down your throat. If anybody in our audience is is aware of a benefits provider who can actually pull off a personalized plan that won't bankrupt the the company, God, would you just tell me? Because I know it's a wonderful idea, but I tell you, benefits providers, they've got their checkboxes and you'll probably never have to go through the torturous process of talking to a benefits person. Try and get them to speak about what it is that they do uniquely without throwing in life and AD&D. Yeah, a good point. God, I love the fact that some companies are innovative, but. Well, one of the things, though, that we're seeing, and I'm not going to disagree with your point, but we're seeing it with a lot of companies in the tech space that are creating benefits packages that are, are very intriguing, innovative, because they haven't had a choice. They've had to innovate and they've had to offer more to their employees based on what the labor market, this is where competition really comes in. There's been a war on talent for tech for a long time. And there's a lot of innovators that have startup companies. They're not looking in in the same paradigm as HR folks that have been doing it for a long time. Why can't we offer that? And they're finding providers, maybe they're smaller players that can 
customize and personalize uh, benefits package for those types of companies. What we're going to see, though, is we're going to see this in the bigger market because companies will not have a choice. The market is going to dictate either you innovate or you lose out. For everyone listening that is working with a company with old school benefits, you need to start thinking about this now because this is what the talent is asking and the market is dictating that they can get it if they really want it. Yeah. I know one company that's been doing this for at least 15 years is KPMG, but you're a big five. Of course you can. Like, Not that everyone can keep pace with innovative thinkers, but I remember talking to a KPMG employee, and this is like 15 years ago, for sure. And they were saying because they had older parents and they wanted to include their parents on their extended health benefits. What a novel idea. Imagine what it would mean to me if I was caring for elderly parents, if my employer would allow me, even if I had to pay the difference on the premium. The fact is, if you're buying it for a company the size of a KPMG, you're still going to get a better rate than if I tried to do it on my own. But they've been doing it for years. I can't say that I've ever heard of anybody offering pet health insurance, but it may be the one thing that makes me go, well, I think I'd rather work for them. Well, when you look at it, there's a lot of companies that are very equal in what they're offering pay-wise, what they're offering in many elements with the work environment. But this might be for that one person that might make the difference. It's not only about the pet insurance. It's like, oh, that company really thinks about this in a different way. And that's very intriguing. That's the real message. Hey, you nailed it. That's the real message. Yeah. When we talk about benefit, there's one that we can't really ignore, especially for U.S. listeners, is companies that don't pay the full healthcare uh, costs, which is obviously pretty dramatic in, in the U.S. And we see a lot of companies bypassing that by the hours they offer. They skirt right under the law, offer minimum, so they don't need to pay healthcare benefits. And it's a major cost in the U.S., and that's a shame. You should never tie employment to healthcare, but that's how it is structured yeah. in the U.S. So for companies right now that have been trying to avoid that, you really don't have a choice. You do have to go aggressively in that end. So what should we offer for benefits? The biggest thing that I want to say is don't just renew what you've had for years and years and years. And I get it. It's a major pain in the ass to change benefits provider. But for us talent acquisition professionals, we need all the tools in our arsenal. And money is not always the driving factor. What other benefits can we offer? There's tons of perks Mm -hmm. that are available. So you need to look at every avenue before moving forward and just renewing what you've had the year before because no one seems to complain. We know how to execute on it. The market has shifted. If you don't innovate, you're fucked. The second thing I want to talk about, Shelly, is our friends at Indeed. Obviously, I have a history with Indeed and they just released the Indeed happiness score. Basically, what that is, it's a feature that allows current and former employees rate your company from a scale of one to five based on one simple statement. I feel happy at work most of the time. And it actually shows up on your Indeed company page. We know the Indeed company page is quite a visited page for a lot of companies. Like people don't realize there's double the amount 
of reviews on Indeed than there is on Glassdoor. In Canada anyways, but I mm-hmm. think it's very mm-hmm. similar in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So what they say, it's designed to help people understand how employees feel at work and why. Yeah. What's your first gut instinct at this? I guess my first thought was the reasons of why is what was the most interesting part of the study. Nothing new. I think COVID aside, lockdown, return to work, whatever that is, there will always be a percentage of workers who are never happy, right? So I take it all with a grain of salt because there are some people that it doesn't matter what you did. Like even if you gave them pet health insurance, they still wouldn't be happy. I think of so many thousands of people we've met throughout the years, Serge, and there's just some people who think that maybe they should have been born into the royal family. Well, this is not a survey. This is a new feature that Indeed has released that will show up on company pages that Mm -hmm. asks everyone that works or has worked there, how happy have you been at this company rate one to five? Then it gives you an average. So on every Indeed career page, there's going to be a ranking of how employees feel working at that company. Hmm. So I've seen it start to show up. Yes. I can't honestly say that I spend my time perusing Indeed from the job seeker side, and maybe I should, because I have recently started to see it show up for Canadian job seekers. So here's my take on it. Indeed always has a plan. They're going to try to figure out a way how to monetize it. So for companies that have low scores, there's going to be some type of solution that they're going to have in place to help uh, to increase your happiness score at your company. Mm -hmm. And to your point, does it really matter? Is the Indeed happiness score really going to have an impact if people are going to apply there or not? Maybe. Like it Mm -hmm. might. Some might see a low score similar to how we see low Indeed reviews and it's going to put like a little bit of a stop before you apply. I guess we'll see, but I'm being very cynical. I could see this feature being gone in a year from now if they don't see serious uptake from job seekers actually putting their score or if they don't figure out a way how to monetize. Indeed is very much throw as much shit at the wall as you can and see what works and what doesn't. We'll just dump it. And we've seen that the last three years, there's at least 10 products that Indeed has tried to launch that they've killed, which is what a lot of big companies do. I think it's pretty much BS. It's just Indeed trying to put their ring in something. You know, Serge, I I do want to challenge your thinking on one of your statements there, because I look at the flip side of companies who don't ever try anything new and stay stagnant. It's easy to throw darts at a big company that's got a big dartboard, but I would certainly rather see that of any company, whether it was Google or Microsoft or LinkedIn. Tell me, what is the latest and greatest feature of LinkedIn Recruiter? Have you seen anything in 10 years? So I would certainly say not to throw daggers at any one organization, but I would rather see people try, fail, move on, learn, because I think that speaks to the culture as much as a, you know, 4.5 star or an 87% happiness score, because there's more to the happiness score than just answering one single question, right? Actually, I see huge value in this for employer branding and for the candidates as well. I think it's a huge benefit. Because there's no way you could know what it's like to work at Tim Horton's corporate office 
right? You make certain assumptions, but I think it's going to be a real decision maker for candidates. I think it's great. I don't think candidates will even notice it, to be honest with you. You just uh, mentioned the strategy that Monster and CareerBuilder had, which was throw every new product at the wall and nothing stuck. No, 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 no. That's your words. That's not what I said. I said, you know, you need to innovate, take what worked and move on. If you throw shit at the wall, then yes, of course, we all know. Well, this is, this is throwing shit at the wall. It is not. No, you're wrong. No, absolutely not, Serge. I see tremendous value. And when we look at the candidate journey, if I'm going to change jobs and I'm intentional about how I change jobs, then this is very valuable to me. I'm not as cynical as you are. This will be dead in a year. And what I mean by that, there's a fine line between innovation and just putting products out there to see what works and what doesn't. A year from now, I will remember this and I'll be like, is this still a thing? And if it blows up, you can throw it in my face, but I don't see this working at all. I think it will morph. It will evolve. And just before we move on to our next topic, the other thing was having a score, not work happiness, but wasn't there some initial thoughts of Indeed in the UK where the question was, is this workplace actually inclusive? Matt, how do you define that? And that was Glasgow, well, exactly. No different than this work happiness score. You really need to look at what was underneath the survey and how many people responded. So your work happiness score doesn't mean that much if your total reviews are 20 people and three people said they're happy or not happy. Like it's got to be representative, but maybe we'll have to dig this up because it was at least a year ago that indeed in the UK was piloting this whole idea of giving a diversity score. Do you know? It was Glassdoor. It was was Glassdoor. Yeah, it was Glassdoor. Okay. Uh, And that was bullshit. So I haven't heard anything from it. Moving on. Moving on. So we had Michelle Berg last week and we talked a lot about wages. One of the things we're looking at in Canada, and I think it's the same in the US and in Europe, it's very similar. We're seeing around 5% inflation. I read a survey from Mercer and another one from LifeWorks, which is here in Canada. And companies are expected to increase salaries around 2.8% to 3% in the coming year. Is that going to hit the mark? Is that going to be enough in a world where people are looking for other jobs? What do you think? Yeah, boy, those numbers, that's not at all what I thought they were going to be. So looking at Canada, total increase of less than 3% when, like you say, um, it's not keeping pace with inflation. I don't know if it ever does. I don't know. I'm a little out of my depth here because I have absolutely nothing but respect and admiration for comp analysts and people who study this sort of thing. And we certainly see the after effects of it, of companies choosing to only use 2.8% for their projected budget. We see the after effect and that means people start looking for work. Yeah. They'll look to move. Like voluntary turnover is on the rise. Oh, really? Why do you think that is? It's it's short-sighted if that's all they're going to base increases in for 2022. There's a lot of salary increases, a lot of different sectors, but there's sectors not being affected that I'm aware of. And I guess it kind of averages out. We talk about the ones that 
we hear the most about, like service is one that I think we're going to see a dramatic increase. Anything in the IT space, there's dramatic increases happening. Engineering is another one. Anything that is very sought out and people are sought out, they have options. They can look at other companies and and get the salary increase. If you're just going in with a straight 2.8% or 2% or whatever your company is, you're going to be in trouble. And Michelle made a really good point when you're just swapping salaries, right? You're not willing Mm -hmm. to pay someone what the market demands, but they leave and you hire someone at the rate that you should have paid that past employee with all the company knowledge. So I think that is going to be something in 2022 that we're going to have to keep a close eye because I know in the US, the great resignation is happening very rapidly. We see it in all the job reports. Canada has been a little bit slower. We're definitely seeing the same trends, but I think a lot of people are waiting to see what their company are going to do going into next year. And if they don't get the raise that they think they should get, I think they'll be looking because if you're offering 2.8 and inflation is 5%, you are taking a pay cut to stay at that same company. Does that make sense in this type well, of Well, your market? money just doesn't go as far. Yeah, it just doesn't. Even some of the company's clients that I've been working with, these are for roles that would be, say, less than 50000 a year. They're now talking about sign-on bonuses. It's like wildfire. I think I've seen three or four job postings just today that are sign-on bonus. But do you know what's interesting is when they choose not to tell you how much it is. But it really, to Michelle's point last week and what you just said, and I'm sorry if I'm just regurgitating, but it's just moving money from one pocket to another. It's not really a strategy. It's not really a plan unless you plan to increase or provide some sort of retention bonus. Like why would you not have retention bonus if you're going to have sign on bonus? Like I get it because if you increase the salary, then you've got year over year increases, which then your payroll is just going to go crazy and nowhere but up versus a sign-on bonus, which is a one-time payout, but it's not um, increasing your base salary. Follow what I'm saying? I'm following exactly. I think it's a major red flag for a candidate. If you see a sign-on bonus, uh, red flag. Because what that tells me is the company is not willing to go to the salary level they need. And the CEO is like, well, let's do this. Let's do exactly what you just said. Let's give them a sign-on bonus and hope that triggers them that if you're a job seeker, that probably means they're paying 10 to 15% less than the next company. And pretty much saying, hey, here's $5,000, $2,000 and hoping that the quick cash will draw your attention to go work there instead of going to somewhere that's actually paying the correct salary for the role that they don't need to include sign-on bonus. I wholeheartedly agree. Anytime that I'm working with a client or I see anyone that has sign-on bonus, it's, it's a red flag. So not just a red flag, but you should actually see it flashing. Red is when they won't tell you how much. Or the other part is that After 90 days, it pays out after 90 days, because I swear, this is what accountants think. If you've ever worked with um, accountant that's never recruited in his life or her life is they honestly think we can't pay it out because candidates will just come work here for 30 days and get their bonus. Then they'll go work across the street for 30 days and get the bonus. And that somehow candidates are going to make a living off changing jobs every 30 days. (laughs) 
I'm not kidding. So the other multiple red flags is, is that as well. Like no details on what it is, how much it is, or when it pays out. Because if they're transparent about it, then that's a different story. I think it it can be used. Yeah, retention bonus are exactly the same, right? They're a little bit of a red flag for me because I think if anyone's offering you a retention bonus, really dig into what that fine print is and know your worth in the market. That's why I always tell people, especially recruiters in this market, you got to be interviewing because I am talking to a lot of recruiters right now that are not getting what they should be getting in the market. And partly is because they don't know what the market is actually paying and what it can tolerate. We're in a very unique position that the need is bigger than how many recruiters there is. And I've said this before. I know. Don't take that first offer. Make sure you're getting paid for what you're worth. So on that note, we've got a couple exciting things coming, Shelly. So Mm -hmm. we are recording with our friends at Tapad in Australia, and we will be doing a crossover that will be appearing very shortly. So on that note, Shelly, always a pleasure. Thank you, Serge. A great weekend. Thank you. Bye. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. out.